Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 488 of the Recruiting Future podcast. One of the key lessons from 2022 is that implementing effective strategies for DE&I is always a long-term journey rather than a quick fix. Sharing insights to learn from the experiences of others is a critical part of the process. Progress cannot happen in a vacuum. My guest this week is Eric Thomas, Chief Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer at Genesis. Genesis is on a journey to become a more diverse company. And a vital part of this is increased workforce representation to align with the markets they serve. Eric has some valuable insights to share on the lessons that they're learning, particularly around talent acquisition and employee experience. Hi, Eric, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Uh, Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. So Eric Thomas, and I have the privilege of serving as Genesis' first uh, chief diversity officer. Genesis is a global leader in the customer experience space. Uh, serving you know a number of, of customers with our um, contact center platform around the globe and uh, thirty some different countries, uh, and we uh, two and a half years ago set out on this path of elevating the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I was tapped on the shoulder, and, and uh, again have the privilege of, of helping us launch those efforts uh, across the company. Fantastic. And um, really keen to dig into those in a second and, and find out more about what you've done and the lessons that you've learned. Before we do, though, just tell us a little bit more about your backstory and how you got to do what you do now. Oh, great. So, you know, I, um, I am not a seasoned <laughs> DEI practitioner. I have always been a champion of the work, you know, in, in, in the various leadership roles I've served in. Uh, I've always either sponsored employee resource groups or supported, you know, the company's efforts of recruiting diverse talent and bringing diverse talent to the company, but never led 
uh, the way I have the opportunity to lead today as, a, as, a, uh, as, as the actual uh, DEI practitioner and leader. I, I spent the first 25 years of my career leading business lines, uh, doing, uh, leading digital transformations, mostly customer facing uh, in the IT uh, and consulting professional services space. And, um, you know, two years ago or two and a half years ago, as I mentioned before, you know, as when we all were, you know, sitting at home uh, managing and, you know, and working around the pandemic, uh, I think we all were sequestered and was able to see the video that surfaced that uh, aired the, the the murder and the lynching of, of George Floyd. It was an incident that happened local to the U.S., but obviously became quickly became a global phenomenon. And, and it put a lot of companies into a mode of, of being more intentionally focused around the work. It was a catalyst for a number of companies to step up and say, we need to we need to do more. And Genesis was in the same category. And I, at the time, I was working with our Genesis leadership, with our CEO and our chief communications officer, uh, with some efforts that they were facilitating across the company. We, you know, uh, like a lot of companies, we made some public statements about how we felt about what we were seeing in the aftermath, uh, basically taking a, a position of solidarity with the black community and announcing wrong is wrong and, you know, taking positions against hate uh, and systemic racism. Uh, we had a number of internal conversations uh, with our employees to, uh, you know, around the topic of race relations and, and what it looks like to to empathize for each other and how we show up for each other in an empathetic way. And, and so I was part of helping to organize those uh, those activities. And uh, one of the other actions that we took was to uh, launch a diversity office office and hire a chief diversity officer. And it was through those conversations with our CEO and some of our other leaders uh, that I was asked uh, to take on that responsibility. And that's how I came into this role. And tell us about the journey over the last two years to become a more diverse company and, and perhaps some of the lessons that you've learned so far along the way. In my conversations with Tony Bates, our CEO, uh, and it was during a period in which we were talking about the possibility of me leading this role, you know, he, he had joined the company in 2019. So he was about a little over a year and a half at his post. And, you know, he came on to help drive our corporate uh, transformation, our business transformation from being a prem based to a cloud SaaS based solution. And he had a number of initiatives, as you might imagine, that he was putting in play as being, you know, the new CEO. And, he, you know, he shared with me at that point that he, you know, he, it was always his intention to have diversity as part of our corporate initiatives. You know, empathy uh, is one of the cornerstones of our corporate values. And it was something that Tony uh, brought as part of his leadership style. Uh, but as I mentioned before, you know, the, the, the George Floyd murder was kind of a catalyst for elevating this work for him. And, and, and it launched our journey. And, you know, one of the first things we did was to set out to build a solid foundation uh, for a long-term and sustainable set of, of DEI practices, something that would outlive me or even Tony. And we focused, we first started our focus on inclusion and belonging and in educating our workforce on the why. Uh, th this truly has been and, and continues to be a transformational change. And one of the things I've learned throughout my career is that anytime you're driving change of this nature, having a clear communications plan and making sure that your workforce understands the why, and more importantly, the role they play in, in instituting some of that change is a key part of the change management strategy. So that's what we focused on in year one. 
And then as we you know, rounded the corner of year two, we expanded our focus to start getting our head, more, our head around our data and understanding different data insights like in re- the representation of women around the globe and, and uh, uh, people of color in the U.S., uh, understanding employee sentiment, how they feel around about topics such as you know fairness and, and equity, their ability to have a fair chance at growing their career and expanding their, their you know their uh, capabilities at Genesis, as well as as retention. You know, or do we have challenges with, with retention when you look at it across various demographics? And and the data provided key insights into helping us understand the challenges that we had, but particularly if we were having challenges with how we administer certain policies and practices that have a direct impact on employee experience, uh, but also in helping us, uh, you know, d- develop our strategic framework, our DEI framework. And set some of our earlier uh, priorities uh, in terms of what to focus on in the beginning. And in leveraging the you know the knowledge gained from the data, we, we were able to set goals, uh, diversity goals, uh, representation goals for uh, you know aligning the diversity of our workforce with the markets we serve. You know, which would mean we would need to increase the representation of women across our workforce and among the leadership ranks. Uh, over the next four or five years, as well as increasing representation of, of, of you know people of color in the U.S., and then you know some of the lessons learned. You know, one of the key lessons I learned from from leading these efforts is just how innovative the work is, uh, how innovative DEI work is. You know, there, there truly is no one size that fits all approach that folk can take. Every company has to determine how to define diversity, equity, and inclusion within the context of their environment and determine what's important to them and what are their priorities. I think you have to give yourself room to experiment with different ideas and different initiatives to really discover what your workforce will embrace and and, and where you think what will, you know, what efforts will help drive a high amount of employee engagement, which is really important in order to really move the needle on the type of change that you're looking to foster. And, and quite frankly, we're still figuring some of this out. We've made some good strides in a number of areas and we've seen, you know, the response rates from employees. And as a result, we pivoted, you know, at times with, with different things. We started down a certain path and found exit ramps because we realized it wasn't working for us. Uh, and we've pivoted to things that we're now starting to see will help us really uh, drive, you know, create sustainable uh, practices. So that's one of the key lessons learned. You mentioned there that one of the objectives was to increase the representation within the business. What's the impact been on your talent acquisition strategy? Yeah, you know, so we we have to really we have to completely reimagine how we do talent acquisition, right? One of the key things we did was expand our list of sourcing partners to include organizations and institutions who focus on producing, you know, high amounts or high rates of diverse talent. And that, of course, helped increase the, our, the, our abilities uh, to, to source diverse talent and present diverse slates of candidates to our hiring managers. Uh, we also piloted and are now looking to deploy at scale uh, a competency-based interviewing model for our recruiters and our hiring managers to minimize the number of subjective questions posed during the interview, which can create you know, space for biases to creep in, and to focus on a set of questions allowing us to really and properly assess a candidate's sk- uh, skills and capabilities against the competencies needed for the role. 
And then the other thing we did uh, is we launched anti-bias training for all of our recruiters and all of our hiring managers. And we made it mandatory before engaging in, in any part of the recruiting process. You know, these changes, some of the, you know, the short changes or quick changes that we've made to our talent acquisition approach and procedures. And, and it's quite frankly, I believe it has been the difference maker in helping us realize some of the progress that we've seen and the increased amount of representation of both women around the globe and various uh, um, underrepresented groups in the U.S. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. I suppose just to dive in a second into the way that you changed your assessment and what you assess for and the interview questions. I mean, that sounds like that would have been quite a, an in-depth process. How did you go about doing that? We transitioned from a less subjective approach of how both recruiters and hiring managers interview candidates to a more mechanical approach with a scripted set of questions and, and, and that, that you would be limited to asking a candidate that would, would be geared towards enabling you to assess, is this individual in terms of their resume, their capabilities and skills, and how they are articulating uh, their ability to, to uh, deliver on certain things, you know, it, based on that assessment, are they a fit for the competencies and the role uh, and the role and the skills required in the role? And it removes, you know, room for, <laughs> you know, hiring managers asking women, as an example, you know, do you have, do you plan to have children in the future? Do you have an issue with traveling or some of the other things that, you know, questions that we discovered were really being asked through some of these, these uh, interviewing process that unfortunately was um, putting certain demographics at a dis disadvantage, but really had nothing to do with, with whether or not they could do the role or not. And so it, it, the goal was to mitigate you know, those types of scenarios surfacing during the process. Absolutely. You mentioned sort of em employee engagement and the employee experience. How do you differentiate yourself as an employer? Genesis uh, really leans in the concept of empathy. It is a cornerstone, our corporate values, and it was a gateway to you know, evolving, what does empathy look like, right? In terms of from a D, through a DEI lens, how do we show up and create and foster an inclusive environment? How do we develop leaders that know how to lead uh, inclusively, right? And, and so, you know, with, with that being at the cornerstone of our corporate values, 
it, it's it's woven woven into the fabric of how we do things. If you take, for example, our employee engagement and the poll surveys that we uh, distribute to get a sense of employee sentiment, it's a it's a key way of listening to your employees. But more importantly, when you get the data back, are you acting right? And I think that's one of the things that really differentiates Genesis. I you know, you can pick up the the paper or, or any type of article and talk about how different companies are addressing the, re- the return to work approach. And, you know, our employees, you know, we did a survey and, and we kind of, you know, took it, uh, under, got it, re- obtained an understanding from our employees of how they felt about coming back to the office post pandemic. And it was pretty clear. I think it was over 60 percent wanted the opportunity to continue working virtually. So we created, you know, a strategy, our, our return to work strategy or, you know, uh, workplace of the future around that. We have hybrid scenarios where if you're within a certain distance of the office, you can choose to drive in or you can only come in a certain days of the week. If you want to be in the office every day because you really desire that type of, of communal uh, approach and, and interaction, it's available to you. Or if you want to be completely virtual, it's available to you. And we make sure that we, we outfit or equip our employees with the tools to where they can be just as productive, either virtually or in that hybrid fashion in the office, because we saw those capabilities surfaced during the pandemic. And it's just one of the many ways I think that, you know, Genesis differentiates itself in terms of how it, it deals with its, uh, its employees. There are a lot of companies who are on a journey to become more diverse organizations. What advice would you give to other employers based on your experience so far? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think there's, 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 there's three things that come top of mind. First of all, if you are looking to launch your DEI efforts like we did from, you know, from from uh, uh, concept or even if you're looking to expand on some of the work you've been doing, I think it's critically important for companies to take the time to really understand and define what diversity, equity and inclusion means within your workplace, within the context of your environment. Uh, what's important to your workforce? Listen to your employees, because that you know what I've learned and what we've learned is that our employees will tell us what challenges are or, or what diversity efforts are important to them. Diversity can take on such a broad spectrum. And if you try to boil the ocean out of the gate, you know, it's like anything else. You can do three things, one, one two to three things very great, or you do 10 things very mediocre. And, you know, I, I think your, our employees, your employees will tell you what are the things that are top of mind and important for them? The other thing I would, the other piece of advice I would give folk, and I kind of referenced this earlier, is give yourself room to experiment with different ideas and initiatives to discover, you know, what actually works within your environment and, and what your your workforce will embrace. Right? Uh, it's okay to you know to start out certain efforts and and realize that because the work is very innovative, that maybe this doesn't work for you. Maybe it doesn't fit for you. And give yourself room to to find exit, you know, ramps and, and to start again. Um, and then I think the last thing I would say, probably I should move it to number one, is make data and analytics your best friends. Right? People can argue the merits of DEI all day long. You know, is there truly an ROI? You hear that conversation all the time. Or you know, you hear, do we really have issues at our company? Do we really even need this work? And the data doesn't lie. It's like a suitcase ready business justification. And, and that's I think those are the, probably the three key things I would share with anyone looking to either launch or expand their DEI efforts. And as a final question, how do you hope 
DEI will develop over the next two to three years? You know, Matt, one of, one of the things I've come to appreciate about this, about the work, the DEI work, one of the things that, that is different from the work I've done in the past is just how communal the space is. Uh, through the network of other DEI leaders that I, I uh, engage with, we share, openly share our experiences with each other, uh, our best practices, if I can use that term. We share anything that we've discovered that works. Hey, give it a shot. See if this works for you. See if this helps you move the needle on various initiatives that you're driving within your company. Because we all want to see each other be successful, right, in this space. There's really, you don't really have that competitive nature that 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 you see on, on the commercial and business front. And, you know, I, I think it's past time for some type of industry standards to be produced to help us align on what good looks like. And they get the right now we, we all pretty much benchmark ourselves against our own work and, and we set out on a course, we'll set goals and and if we're you know retaining those goals, then you know we can say, oh okay, we're making good progress. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, without a, a very strong industry ecosystem, I, I don't know how much progress all of us can really make in terms of, of it being really truly material. If you think about the telecom space, there are standards on how and protocols on how technology evolves. And that's how you go from 3G to 4G to 5G. If you look in the software development space, you know, things like open sourcing and those types of things has helped us come up with new applications and ways for the technology to evolve. And I think it's way past time for us to develop a set of industry standards around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we're not just don't have ourselves a benchmark against each other. We're benchmarking against what 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 how good has been defined for uh, the industry. Um, one other thought I'll share about the future. I, I, you know, I think collectively, DEI leaders, and maybe it, it, it is somewhat aligned with you know, it, you know, defining industry standards. I think we need to we need to start preparing ourselves to address an increasing amount of organized opposition. Uh, in the U.S., you know, we have uh, in the next week or so, we may have a shift in the judiciary. And that shift has a direct impact on how companies, uh, in some cases, policy impact on how this work can or cannot be done. And I don't think that collectively we're prepared uh, to address some of those challenges head on that allows us to continue to move the needle in this space. Uh, that's, I think that's what we need to be thinking about in terms of the future of DEI. Eric, thank you very much for talking to me. Oh, I enjoyed it. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate you having me. My thanks to Eric. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the monthly newsletter Recruiting Future Feast and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Hi. 
how much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.